this breakup. They were followed by Bois d'Argent. Without a fight and Gold Trooper running on. West Wind blows at the 200. Without a fight runs on. Lays in on top of Gold Trip. West Wind blows 100 to go. Without a fight coming at it. Without a fight. West Wind blows. The hits in unison. Without a fight. Without a fight from the Goldfield Cup. Narrowly from West Wind blows at Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks for checking out year-round carnival with a bit of Beastie Boys to start with and of course Matt Hill's awesome calling courtesy of racing.com. Vince Accardi, good morning to you. What a day of racing at Caulfield. Uh, Yes, yes, what a day of racing. Very good, very good. We never stop learning in this cave at Vince, do we? Well, it's part of life, isn't it? (laughs) That's it. Absolutely right. It uh, it was absolute nail the brief uh, stuff from Mark Zara, from uh, Anthony and uh, and Sam Freeman, and the horse without a fight getting the money in the Caulfield Cup in a race that just looked brutal. So we're going to pull it all apart now. Firstly, Vince, the hoses were out. Uh, I'll ask you a dual question because I've seen your data, but what's how what to what extent and did it have an effect on racing? More importantly, I'd say the. The, the biggest impact is the typical one, that section between the 450 mark or 500 metre mark to the 350 mark, that raced uh, in excess, we'll put it this way, to the 800 and then you're hitting that spot inside the 600 metres to the 350 mark, the difference was about two and a half lengths, in other words, two and a half lengths slower. It was genuinely, I would say, G4, S5. Yep. And then in the home straight, we had a complete reversal, the last 200 metres being three and a half lengths faster than that section. So that was clearly the area that was most impacted. Did it, did it affect the winners or, or results in any way? That's probably the, the main question from us as far as, uh, as far as punters are concerned. Well, probably when you look at the margin gained or how far you were from the 800 metre mark, with the exception of one race, you really couldn't be the maximum you could be back is probably four and a half, five, probably yep. closer to four. And you can see the majority of the races, you're either leading or within three lengths. So that was probably the only sort of takeaway in terms of impact. And you know, being able to come home from the back markers, well, that a that happened. One of the races was like the eleven hundred meter. You know, you sort of come out of that shoot and you're into the into the straight, and the 2,400-metre race, well, that was brutal. <laughs> All right. Of course, we're talking about the Caulfield Cup here. When you say brutal, how brutal? Well, Jesus, I'll just sit back and say, how's plus 15 sound? <laughs> so if, you, if you're learning Vince's benchmarking for the first time, this is to the 800-metre mark, 15 legs faster than average, the first mile of the Caulfield Cup. Yeah, yep. Wowie. So, so I, I, I did a bit of a look here, Vince. So back in 2017, the year, the boom time one, yep. Sir Isaac Newton led at 16.2 lengths above benchmark. But yep. here's the thing, and I'll get you to talk it through the, the prism here. It was a lone leader. There was nine lengths further back to single gaze, who's going plus seven. The difference here, 15 lengths above benchmark. The winner without a fight's going 7.2 lengths above benchmark. So the, the same speed as what the second horse was going that, that day. But this time, he's running 11th. So there's all these other horses caught up in this vacuum of real pressure. And this is what it was. It was a lot of pressure. And the flags were up 
pretty early for yeah. most horses. The flags were up pretty much by the time they got inside that 800-metre mark with the exception of a, a couple of runners. So uh, with the, you talk about the golden spot in this situation. Where was the golden spot? Well, the golden spot, obviously, you want it to be within six to eight lengths maximum yep. of the lead speed. And if you take the leader at plus 15, that next gap was around that 13.7, around – uh, was that United Nation 13.7, Hulia Mouth 13.4, and you had Goldman, which I sort of pin that as being, you know, like that league group. So that were the two the two packs, you know, in other words, from fastest to the slowest of the leaders. So realistically, you couldn't take it anything further back than 13.4 above. So if you take away eight lengths from that, where does that put you? Puts you around that five range. And if you go six, it's in the seven. So realistically, you needed to be somewhere travelling around seven, eight lengths faster than standard to be competitive. Well, to, is, be, to be in the optimum position, more to the point. Absolutely, which is where, without a fight, was 7.2 lengths above average. West Wing blows 8.7 lengths above the IVR standard and Gold Trip 5.3. So they're, they're the three in the finish. Now, we pride ourselves on trying to help out our members because we are nothing without our members. We have no corporate bookmaker support. We are here because we have members supported. And we've been starting these little Group 1 bonus podcasts when we can give some extra information on top of the usual podcast. This is what we said about without a fight after his first up run in the Underwood at Caulfield. Without a fight, he's going to the Caulfield Cup. Our heads rolled off on what he did in Queensland. And on Sunday, he's out the back. Uh, just talk us through this mid-race and sustain close. Yeah, well, for sure. Another couple of lengths slower, 11.3 when compared to Solcom, who was going 9.4 below. But beautiful in the mid-race, plus 6.7. That was the biggest uh, mid-race move in the in the actual race, Ralph, in, in particularly above benchmark, and then last 400 metres, look how strong it was, plus 7.4. Even the last 200 metres, it's pretty much outstripped every other runner by a length or more. Now, okay, we do got to add a little bit to that early speed. And when I look at it again, this is some perfect comparisons, right? You look <laughs> at that Eagle Farm. This is the $2 million race, yeah. yeah. 11.1 below versus 11.3, so it's virtually identical, right? Yep. But this horse has shown another half-length more extension in the mid-race and then the golden nugget, right? 7.4 versus 4.7. Now, I know, like, with Eagle Farm, we've got plenty of history to work off, right? And I look at it and say, well, okay, this horse invariably has come back tech on the technicals at least two lengths stronger than what we've seen at Eagle Farm. So it was smashed in the betting, 5.50 into 4.50. It's run unplaced. But what you're saying is this was actually a better run than Eagle Farm, so it's it's absolutely on point. Yeah, and then have a look at the NPS margin. So explain that. Well, the NPS margin is showing uh, all things being equal, 0.6 from the winner. Yep. How much horse get beaten by? <laughs> get beaten 2.2. There you go. So in other words, the run was one and a half lengths better than where it finished. Beautiful. All right. Well, I think it's it's on target. So let's let's see how that that unfolds. And Vince, you couldn't have given that a better rap. So, a couple of things here. Firstly, let's talk about the mindset game on the Friday on our preview podcast. You said you wanted to avoid without a fight due to the the vet inspections. 
I don't think that does horse. Ra- I don't think it does horse racing any good whatsoever. This charade of going through uh, horses because they only pick one race. They don't go through the entire card. It's not like the vets check every horse at a meeting, and it's just noise. Because if a trainer like Anthony Friedman, who's been training Group One winners for forty-five years, thinks these horses are lame, I'd rather listen to him than the vets. Well, that makes a lot of yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Ralphie. Because I mean, without a fight, if you look at its OS profile, you know, three point nine, four point two type range, you would have absolutely have had this horse harden the race, right? There's no question about it. But a pretty straightforward guy when they're lame, I just don't like it. But the reality was. What you just said, of course, this is, I'm listening to all these things after the event. I didn't listen to anything, you know, leading into the race specifically, you know, by people's voices, purely what was communicated to me from email. But the reality is, this horse, the way the state was talking, there was nothing wrong with it. Yep. And that's how it raced. Like, there was nothing wrong with it. It's running its best. <laughs> yeah, and, and it ran right up to its best. It, it pretty much matched its overseas profile of plus four, which yeah. which is fantastic, right? Which is absolutely fantastic. I, gu- I guess ultimately for me, you know, from a professional point of view, from a, a you know, an analysis point of view, would we have had without a fight in, in, in our top four or five for sure? But the reality is we didn't based on – just that one piece of intel, which I feel is really important, but on this occasion wasn't proven to be correct and wasn't a race that I was going to then sort of go and bet in because the horse that I was always interested in, which was Gold Trip, right? Yeah. The reality was I just didn't like what was happening in the lead-up to that race, not with the horse itself, but with the way they were trying to tackle the whole world. They wanted to win everything, and it's just something that, you know, in reality, again, that was, you know, like when Paul Gardner had a look and said, there's only one horse that's won three of them, and that was rising fast. They go, well, that's probably one of the dumbest strategies you can have, right? Yes. And therefore, from, from a money point of view, I mean, the horse is running the money. If you're back in the way I bet, you make some money. But, oh, you know, I felt uncomfortable. So you, you, you communicated that Saturday morning, of course, in our update podcast, and, and this was also part of the, the talk because race morning, there was still talk they were going to scratch it if the track was too yep. firm. There was wind that didn't come. And this is a, I'll, I'll, get, I'll dig a bit more into your mindset here, Vince, because what you often articulate, and this is something that, you know, some very, very high-end uh, professional analysts in the finance world say, the cheapest thing sometimes is just to stay out. It's absolutely funny enough. A lot of your profits come from not backing the loser. Yes. In other words, losing your bet. That's what, most of your profits come by minimising that curve, and you've got to make calls. I, I like to be analytical. I don't want to be a gambler. That's it. That's all it is. That that's the difference. That doesn't mean because <laughs> I'm taking a calculated uh, view of a race that I still can't be wrong. But it really does dramatically reduce the gambling aspect. And people say to me, "Oh, but you have fifty. Well, fifty to me has got the same value as ten thousand. Right. <laughs> if I see a dollar on the ground, I'm picking it up, mate. Keep, keep the money in your pocket is your yeah. number one strategy, unless you're really confident, and that's that's the mindset. That's how it goes. And, yep. of course, do I sit there in, at the end and say, oh, I could have made money. Then, yeah, I'm a human. Of course I would say that. But at the same time, I go, it's just business. Yep. 
All right, the uh, the second horse, West Wind Blows, the I, I didn't hear the quote properly at first. I said the wrong thing on Perth Radio yesterday. But um, uh, the quote from Jamie Spencer, when interviewed by Racing.com, he said the missing the start probably did the horse a favour because it kept it out of the brutal speed. So my reflection, Vince, and I'm interested in your thoughts here, as an on-pace runner, if he jumps clearly, he's probably not in the finish. No, he's absolutely not in the finish. <laughs> Because it's just unsustainable. Nothing was. Well, he, he was really battling with the way it was. And now he's had two pretty hard runs, you know, in terms of early speed. Like, have a look. I was just looking at the intel right now, Ralphie. I'm just looking at how dramatic that ground condition was between the six and the four. And what an impact that had on a lot of runners. Wow. I'm just looking at this going, that's crazy. I should have had the mid-race squeeze from the six to the four. Just a, just that little pocket and see what it looks like. But you can see from the eight to the four, like it's horrific. Yeah. So this is where the impact of the watering comes in. And, and yep. you know, the, for those who don't get it, and now it's it's clear on this IVR profile that what you do basically is a helicopter view of each 200 section of a track during the winter. Caulfield always has that problem there because they don't get the sun. So what's happening, it effectively was at a winter-style track, and that's that happens due to watering. Well, Here's a nutshell. If you took the averages of all runners between the six and the four, the average is minus 4.6. And if you take it just from the six to the eight, it's plus one. Yep. There you go. Five and a half lengths variance. That's where it hits, a, it, where it hits the water. All right. So Gold Trip uh, just avoids the brutal heat, 5.3 lengths above benchmark. So I'm just going to combine some listener questions here because, of course, sorry, members' questions. Uh, I always send out an email on Sunday inviting members to be part of it. So I've got a few here which, which are along similar lines. Uh, from Mark, with the Cox Plate looking like a race for a group of elite milers, how will the brutal speed of the Caulfield Cup affect Gold Trip packing up in the in the Cox Plate? From Adam, uh, Caulfield Cup run set up for the Melbourne Cup. I thought Gold Trip was trucky inside them. Slight bush pack but without a fight, didn't keep a sustained run. From Daniel, uh, Caulfield Cup, which Melbourne Cup runners does Vince believe for this brutal tempo race? Uh, so, And also from John, presuming the number show was a race from start to finish, some of the early splits were brutal. A question general one, how would these concerns a, a Melbourne Cup after a brutal race, particularly likes of breakup and without a fighter who had fairly limited prep with one solid hit out? So I know I've, uh, I've done a bunch because I wanted to get all the list of questions there, but the overall tenant, Vince, is flatness going forward. Well, first, let's look at Gold Trip. Well, that's just a brand new record for that horse. As far as early speed? Yeah. Well, if you look at any performance in Australia, in fact, virtually all the races in the OS as well, this this horse's typical regime is when the horse is really moving, it's moving at around minus one, minus three. That's when it's moving. Now, to go plus 5.3s definitely outstripped all its performances that it's ever done and, and entitled to tank it because it was gone at, inside the 200. It was done. Yep. And that's the reason why it was done. It's not because the horse gave up. He just ran out of petrol. And you can see, even though he had a beautiful performance at Flemington, like as a, as a baseline, you've, you've got to look where the horse has come from. Minus 16.6 below benchmark, first up Mooney Valley 2040. Then went to Flemington 2000 metres on the 7th of October and went 3.1 lengths below benchmark. So that's what, a 13.5 length improvement in early speed. And now has come out here and asked to go 5.3, oh, that horse would definitely feel that run, 100%. But the beauty is, like you said, is that going to be a negative or a positive? I'm sitting here saying that's going to be a plus for the horse, for sure. It's definitely going to be a plus, because had the horse gone another five lengths faster, 
oh, they could be almost kissing everything goodbye. <laughs> yeah, and these yeah. are the sort of mistakes that can happen, right? No wonder he was in two minds. Am I running? Not running? You know, is it going to? Am I going to blame it on the track conditions? Whatever you want to blame it on. What they can't control, this is the trainers, they can't control the pace of the race unless you're dictating all the lead speed. Yes. If you're not dictating that and you've you've got every horse in their own merits, you have no control and it'll go out at the pace that it goes out of and that can undo your horse for future events. In this case, I actually feel that's probably the, the perfect tune-up you need for a Cox Plate. All right, so we'll discuss that in depth uh, this Friday on our preview podcast. If you want to get the preview podcast, it includes early and final edition of Race Speed Profiles. We do a deep dive on the Friday and uh, and Saturday morning. Obviously, we uh, we adjust anything uh, for further information that has come over from the previous twenty four hours covering all races. This week, we're going to throw in audio only, so just we'll talk about it, but there won't be any race speed profiles. If you want them, you go to dailysectionals.com.au for them. But we'll, we'll discuss the invitation because it's a, such a cracking race, that Phillies and Mares race, uh, and we like talking about good races. That's the reality. So, Vince, uh, just get a bit more meat on the bones with, with it, uh, West Wind Blows, though, Vince, because uh, I know you, you don't generally go historical, but I'll ask you through the historical lens and then you can go any way you like. But often... We see imports have had one good run. They peak at their second run here. It was it was a tried and true for many years, from the likes of Media Puzzle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then they taper quickly. Are you saying that there's now a chance that West Wind blows two hard Australian runs? Third one might be a challenge. Well, when you look at it, you know the Caulfield Cup and what an imprint it has technically on a Melbourne Cup. Generally speaking, the horses that are you know, fighting out the finish, you know, with good performances, are very effective in a Melbourne Cup. So without a fight in West Wind Blow, their performances were right on the number. The rest weren't, but West Wind Blow 3.8 without a fight plus four, that's the type of nice profile you want going into a Melbourne Cup. The question is, where are you in your campaign to determine how well you're going to be treated going at 3,200 metres and are you ready for it? Well, West Wind's Blows, it's had two tough runs. I'm not going to sit here and say that that's the end of it. I, I would say probably not because it's not going to have any other runs other than the Melbourne Cup, I assume. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. So it's probably going to be okay. The question is, this is the real question, how well will it get 3,200? Yes. Mm, so that's got to be a question mark. So a horse that, you know, okay, we're, you know, the, the, they're all legless late, but why does your right, you are, Valley and King, fourth, fifth, sixth. Let me ask you about the seventh horse, Sulcum. So from the time he came into the stable due to winning the Queen Elizabeth last year, his sole focus is the Melbourne Cup. He's missed the start. No one wanted that. But did he lose the battle and given himself a chance to win the war? Because ultimately he's he's avoided all that early pressure. He's just been tacky onto the field. Couldn't have done much more from that position. Does this give him a chance to still peak at Flemington? Well, you got a minus 1.5. Yep. That you have to deal with. So that, that plays a role, doesn't it, Ralphie? Like, what, what does that all mean? I mean, ultimately, that's your pro- your profile. And it is behind what it did even last start at 2,000 metres. But are you running like a horse that's uh, – that's, I look at it like this, Ralphie. I haven't sat down and, and ticked off all the boxes with the international runners. Yep. But if a horse like this wins the Melbourne Cup, we've got problems. Okay. <laughs> Right, okay. yeah. off, the, off its last two runs. Yes. Because well, that means you're a, a plus one, plus two horse. I just, they rarely win Melbourne Cups unless it's going to be a poor one. 
Uh, okay, get what you're saying. Right, and I'll finish with, with one horse in Montefilia. So I, there was two I liked without a fight in Montefilia. The Montefilia was a better result for me, but as soon as they were running along like that, I thought, well, you get no chance because, uh, you know, I wasn't uh, hoping for a brutal tempo for it and particularly where it was in the run. But if they completely pull the, uh, go the three-week, uh, four-week freshen, if I got it right, the McKinnon back to 2000, she might be completely ready to her best. This might be this might be a, a fair option for her. Possible, Ralphie. It is possible. So they're obviously must be hopefully forgetting about even attempting thirty two hundred. They are. But yes, that, that, that's they smart. Yep. Yep. That, this horse belongs at two thousand meters for sure. And a run like that probably probably felt the effects of that huge run last start. In the yeah. end, you know how big it was. Even though it shouldn't, but it did. But it, yeah, wow. <laughs> Was a bit, a little bit on the poor side, if you ask me, Rolfie. <laughs> Fair enough, too. All right. Uh, speaking of the poor side, you were poorer if you took the very short price for uh, for Riff Rocket early in the day in race two. There are times to just stay out again, as, as we can say, Vince. But Sunsets is upset it under that race shape. Could it have done much more, Riff Rocket, or was it just poor on the day? Question. Race two. Well, race shape dictates everything, doesn't it? Yep. And here it is, you know, you're travelling between 15 and 17. Well, what's the field? The field, you're going fifth, between 15.4 lengths below benchmark to 20 lengths below benchmark, the last horse. I mean, this is absolute barrier trial speed. Everybody has a level of uh, sprint in them in terms of getting into the race, and then you've got to finish. And as it turns out, when you're in a race like this, the closer you are to the lead speed, the better your chances. And I look at the difference between the two horses, Firstly, it's very hard to put down a big number when they're going so slow, even when you allow for adjustments. There's only so much you can uh, adjust before you're saying it's ridiculous, right? Yep. And the reality is here, you just have a look at the the, diff, the gap between the two horses is virtually two lengths, 1.8 lengths between Sun, Sun Sense and Rift Rocket in their positioning running. When you look at the mid-race squeeze, it's 11.3 mid-race squeeze for Sunsets and it's 13.5 for Rift Rocket. So the horses had to make a a two length a two point two length more in terms of its mid race squeeze to regain that position in running. And then you look at the last four hundred meters as an overall perspective, it's gone about a length faster. And there it is. That squeeze has come to come to an end. Even though it was better than sunset over the last two hundred meters, it was only point three. So that's the impact. Of position in running, and I don't feel Riff Rocket could have done any more. Looking at the numbers, that that's about as good as the horse could could have gone under this race shape. It was maximum exertion. Could he have been another length class? Well, I'm not a rider, Ralphie. Yeah, maybe he could have sat outside the lead, and, and the horse wins, right? Yep. But who's going to take that risk? I don't know. Maybe they thought, well, we're too good for this field. We can give it a couple lengths, and we win anyway. Probably all those thoughts were going through their minds. There's also the uh, the other point that you mentioned earlier. So when you do a big mid-race squeeze and that's through the softer part of the track, it has, it has to test you. Oh, it's very taxing and it definitely impacts you. And no doubt that, that difference, you could see it. It's all in the last 200 metres. The, the gap was dramatically bridged. And you could see the overreaching from the rider between the uh, – pretty much between the 600-metre mark all the way through to the 300-metre mark, the horse was overreaching because it was obviously trying to get its position. Ultimately, if they raced against each other again under normal circumstances, it would be highly unlikely Sunsets beats it. 
Uh, they're going to the derby. So the Oaks uh, leading was the Ethereal, race three. Now, uh, Tropical Squall was fantastic winning the flight stakes. So let, let's just put that on the table first. But we'll just, I'll just read you what we wrote about Autumn Angel and Sizzlers after the stut stakes. Evolving filly who's best today was second up, sec, uh, was first up second career start winning at Sandown. Solid minus one length below benchmark before just 3.6 in a lead in nine of nine. So it's 9th of September. That did include traffic here from Barrier 1 after a slow start was stuck going just Minus 10.5 lengths below benchmark, fallback defence. That's easily the slowest she's gone early in her short career to date. Minus 0.5 at the 400, meant a 10-length squeeze, while the last 400 was a booming 8.8 lengths. When entitled to run off no work, while entitled to run off no work, this was an excellent sixth, best last 400 of the night, close to the end of the mile, a race like the ethereal Caulfield Cup day, perhaps next is ideal. And that's exactly what happened. She did peak on the day, Vince, and she ran down Tropical Squall. So what was the performance like? And did Tropical Squall overdo it, mile to 2,000, unable to relax? Well, one thing's for sure, Autumn Angel, beautiful performance. Right in that golden spot, 2.4 lengths below benchmark, tracking the lead speed by around four and a half. You probably couldn't get it much better. Actually, moving through the worst part of the ground, the horse was going very well, Ralphie, travelling 1.6 lengths below. And if you look at the day, most of the horses were really having a crack in the most affected area of the ground as well, which I thought was really good. Autumn Angel did sort of peter out over the last 200 metres with a minus one. How much of an impact was it all between the four and the six? Would probably dictate part of that. So... If I had any, where, where's, where are they going with a horse like this, Ralphie? Well, that's your question. Uh, possibly the Oaks. Right. For Autumn Angel. Uh, I don't know if Tropical School, I haven't looked this up, but the second part of the question I was going to ask you, so Phillies have got a good record in this in the uh, against the Bears in the uh, Empire Rose when they're good Phillies, and that yep. is going back to the mile on Derby Day. I just wonder if they'll have to think about put, bringing Tropical School back in distance rather than up to the Oaks. Yeah, okay. Well, Tropical Squall, when you look at that particular run, I mean, that run at a mile was pretty fast, wasn't it? Yeah. 7.7 first section, plus 2.7 between the eight and the four. The horses obviously in the end felt that, but still going two lengths above here, which I, you know, had a lot of merit, it tanked out, Ralphie. Like you can look at how severe the tank out was over the last 200 metres. It was, it was pretty nasty, three and a half lengths inferior to Autumn Angel. So that brings a lot of merit to what you're saying in terms of the distance switch, and that could be a smart strategy, or that or was this day we're going to be hoping that maybe the horse will relax more? This is, it's the Waterhouse stable, isn't it? Of course, so, yeah. Well, well, I'm not second-guessing. I'm just, just spitballing, yeah. Yeah, well, I would like to see it a mile, but who knows with, with that stable, they might be aiming for all the big the big studded races. <laughs> exactly. The, the three-year-olds. We, we, we spoke on Sunday morning about Arkansas Kid. Horses can rebound off cardiac arrhythmia. This definitely did, and particularly with the market support. I suppose the disappointing one was Dark Halo, but I suppose if you're going that fast, Vince, for a horse just learning its craft to then hit that 600-metre patch, you can tell it just completely fell off the cliff. So don't say we, we, we can write that horse off uh, off that disappointing run, but three-way finish, Arkansas Kid, Facile, Don Corleone. I think they're, they're all going to need about to find another three lengths in two weeks' time if they're going to win a Cornwall. Oh, they're not going to win the Coolmore. <laughs> nice and simple there. Yeah. Right, race five. Uh, the, oh, I, I head wobble for this reason, Vince. 
Blake Shin, wide barriers, straight out of the barriers. He is such a good barrier rider. So if anyone wanted to map it back and wide and, and you wanted to risk Coeval it because the barrier, I reckon after about 300 metres you were sick because he's just sitting 1-1 one, one, and what a rider this guy is. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And good pace too, Rolfie, 5.6 above that first section. Again, where you position, you position three lengths from the leader, which is a great place to be. I thought the horse did reasonably well too between the, the soft patch. The drop was only three and a half lengths. Again, I always like to look at what the average speed is. It's probably about four lengths below the average, which is really, really good. So you're maintaining your line. You're not really giving any other runner any any major advantage either because they're all tracking very similar to you. And then it was a pickup and ultimately you're entitled to have a little bit of drop off at the end. Uh, Performance-wise, 0.3 above, just outside of the top 10. That probably tells you a little bit about the day with most of the races as well, Ralphie. Yeah, it did drop uh, yeah. away. Yeah. But she's improved her speed nearly 10 lengths race to race, and there's the 1,000 guineas is her goal, and it's in four okay. weeks' time. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I go straight there and don't even give her another run. Yeah, well, who, who would go into a race like that just out of curiosity? Because oh, I don't know. Oh, the, the, uh, I don't think. I doubt Tropical School will. And then okay. outside of that, it's, it's there hasn't been much much amongst it. And uh, I know that's one thing we put a big stamp on a, on a, on the Group One bonus podcast to uh, to our members after that Mooney Valley run because it was serious. Well, the beautiful part is the horse showing versatility, it can yep. cope with pressure. They're all positive signs. It's broken benchmark, and it's still. Trending upwards from my perspective. Uh, race six, the Scalacci. So Dawes won. Now, there's a, a critical point you made on the Saturday morning podcast on the update. Spacewalk had the speed out of its legs to make it a confident bet for you. Now, yep. <laughs> ultimately, it's run the best last 800, 600, 400, 200 of the day, but it didn't win. No, no, it didn't win. And there it is, first section, 5.7 lengths below benchmark. You can argue all you like, but if you compare that to the performance at Warwick Farm, which was 3.3, the horse lost 2.4 lengths of early speed when comparing. It's a, and this was a small field. They could have gone right outside the leader. Had they been running to the way it was at Warwick Farm, that horse would have been outside the leader. Yes. But that's not the case. Might have been in the place where Dool was. It still didn't happen. Of course, the last 400 metres was a great finish for the horse, 6.8 above, you know, entitled to. Still not quite as good as the run before, Ralphie, a 7.7. And, oh, unfashionable horse duel, yes, winning the race. Interesting. <laughs> Again, you know, this is a highlight for me to understand. You know, that's ranked four in the day. So it's a basic day. He's racing outside the Corfu Cup. Oh, it's a reality. Bit sad, isn't it? Yep. Uh, Rod Tarataki, super ride Dean Yendall. He rode for speed, not position. In other words, this is a horse who, uh, by rolling forward at an easy tempo on, on her terms, that was the win winning or losing situation. Well, that was definitely the money horse, wasn't it? Yep. Definitely the money horse to make money on, no question. And overall, 0.7 above, seventh best of the day, slightly behind what it did at Flemington, the start before, plus 1.2. Love the fact beautifully ridden, ridden to the horse's nature. Two lengths below benchmark first section. That's what it was travelling at last start, Ralphie. Two lengths below benchmark. Had to deal with the wet conditions. Actually, it wasn't a bad effort, right, between yep. the six and the four. Only dropped down to a minus 1.2. Rebounded with a 0.7 above. Jeez, you can see what an impact that had on so many horses 
over the you know conditioning of the last two hundred meters. It affected a lot of horses, Ralphie. Wow. There might be some turnarounds here. There yeah, might be oh, some... for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And probably I have to put a caveat. Whilst I was saying that's a reflection on the day with a lot of the horses, there would have been many horses that wouldn't appreciate that set-up ground condition-wise. No doubt. Uh, Madame Pomery was the eye-catcher for me in that grand final is two weeks' time in the Empire Rose over a mile. Yeah, very good, Ralphie. Broke benchmark, came, well, 5.3 lengths below benchmark first section. It would have been nice if you were a bit closer, but how much closer could you have really gotten? It was a really good move in the mid-race. It was almost, what, a six-length squeeze. Finished off the last 400 metres and the last 200 metres virtually identical, 0.9 above for the, the two splits, which is excellent. They've got the horse exactly where they need to have it. So now just take that next step. I know you would have... Uh... I don't know. Did you end up playing in, in race eight? You're keen on climbing star. There were seven runners. I did end up uh, going one by four because usually what happens is this, Rolf. When there's seven runners, you have a tendency to get over the odds for a place. Yep. So it just depends on your level. I, I was pretty confident. Well, me, I thought climbing star would win, right? Yep. And I, I felt that, yes, you could never dismiss Buffalo River. I was not keen on Nunthorpe at all, right? Yeah, we, we couldn't have said that any stronger. <laughs> so... Could I genuinely have said Buffalo River was going to run second? I probably said to myself, place horses, maybe Numthorpe, maybe Buffalo River. So Climbing Star was always the go for me. And uh, interestingly, though, you know, she loomed and faded and you think Buffalo River, you're a tough bastard, which he is. But now I'm looking at the this section between the 600 and 400, clearly the slowest on the day that we've articulated. And she's she's probably, I don't know, just looking at the day, she might have been one of the fastest splits between the six and fours. Hundred, so they had to tank tank her out late. Oh well, just absolutely. There it is above benchmark yep. between the six and the four point eight in the slowest part of the track. Yeah, very well. Now that you've said that, let's just have a quick look to see if any other runner actually, other than this race here, broke benchmark. No, no. Look, I'm looking here, Ralphie. Everything's yeah. well. There was a spacewalk point one. There you well, go, and it adds merit to spacewalk as well for for a twelve hundred run. And and the last race here, a bit of a comb events for those of us who uh, who had a few in the quaddy and didn't have the winner. But this again, what hap- what happens when one horse was the wide lane advantage and was Len Picker? Yeah. Well, what do you do? I mean, four point three lengths below benchmark. I wouldn't say it's like the golden spot, but as it turned out. The horse got into those lanes. How important are the lanes, Rolfie, right? Yeah. The widest runner all day, lane 14. Mind you, without a fight, lane 12, Rolfie, right? Yeah. Everything else were inside the lanes all day. This is all the other winners. So realistically, those horses got every chance, and that's the difference between winning and losing sometimes. Absolutely. All right. Well, a couple of... Uh, Winners to be had, I think, uh, going forward from the Randwick meeting. So what we'll do, I'll, I'll pick out a couple of those for uh, for our Group 1 bonus podcast. If you're a Group 1 member, your bonus podcast today, we'll have a look at Randwick, which was wind impacted. But hopefully we can uh, find a little bit of gold going forward there. In the meantime, uh, once again, our, our uh, preview podcasts of uh, Cox Plate Day, deep dive in the Cox Plate, deep dive in the invitation in uh, at Randwick and all the other features at Mooney Valley via my website, racetrackralphie.com.au or Vince Carty's work via dailysectionals.com.au. Really appreciate you listening to the year-round card.